Welcome to the Locked On Sooners Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, John Hoover. It is Locked On Sooners, your daily Oklahoma Sooners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm John Hoover, and for the next 30 minutes, I am in your ear. It's Tuesday, October 22nd. We do this every single day. If you call yourself a Sooners fan, well, then you need to tell your friends, tell your family, heck, tell your cat that you are locked on Sooners. Again, I'm John Hoover from 1077 The Franchise in Oklahoma City, 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Read my OU coverage and more at thefranchiseok.com. I have posted two stories today, one on Alex Grinch's mounting frustration with the team's lack of turnovers. That's three games in a row now. And one on Alex Grinch's desire to be a head coach and whether that could actually happen after just one season in Norman. Find out what he said about that at thefranchiseok.com. Games, press conferences, interviews, whatever it is, I bring it all to you right here every day in the Locked On Sooners podcast. Right now, I want you to go follow me on Twitter at John E. Hoover. Get me on Facebook at John E. Hoover Media. And I promise you, you can find about a billion OU videos and a lot more on my YouTube channel at John Hoover. If you like that channel, just subscribe. And don't forget to follow Locked On Sooners on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. It's Tuesday, so that means a deep dive into Lincoln Riley's Monday press conference. We'll also hear from Alex Grinch and Jalen Hurts. We've got a massive news and notes segment. The uh, Tuesday Heisman watch, as usual. A speedy trip through the Big 12 and some very, very interesting line movements. And I'm telling you, you will not want to miss my announcement at the end of the podcast. It's huge! We got a bunch of stuff to get to, so let's get this thing started. First things first, Sooners this week are at Kansas State. 11 a.m. kickoff at Bill Snyder Family Stadium in Manhattan. Games on ABC. I'll be ringside in the press box as usual. Wildcats beat TCU last week, 24-17 in Manhattan. And they're now 4-2 overall, 1-2 in Big 12 play, while OU is 7-0 and 4-0. Still number 5 in the polls. Sooners now have not been 7-0 since 2004. You'll remember that team went wire to wire as the number two team in the country behind USC. The Orange Bowl itself, well, it didn't go quite so well that year. Uh, By the way, let me just tell you, that year there were three undefeated major conference teams, BCS conference they called it at the time, and in truth, my opinion, which is truth, Auburn did not belong in the conversation with OU and USC. I think they started the year to rank number 20 or number 19 or something like that. OU and USC started the year ranked number two and number one. Now you're telling me the number 19 team is going to slide somewhere in between number two and number one if all three teams stay undefeated all season? No, that's not how it works. Now, listen, a four-team playoff, yes, Auburn would have would have gotten in a four-team playoff. That's how college football is today. It's not how college football was 15 years ago. But they did not belong in a two-team title game, not with USC being undefeated, national champ the year before in the AP poll, and OU being undefeated, uh, national champ runner-up the year before with the close loss to, uh, to LSU in the Sugar Bowl. So no, Auburn didn't belong. Sorry, guys. If anybody tells you different, they're living in revisionist history. I'm telling you. Best two teams in the country that year, hands down, all season, were USC and OU. Now, here's a question. Would Auburn have fared better against the Trojans in the Orange Bowl? I have no doubt. At least until Jason White threw that pick and Mark Bradley tried to field that punt. Once those two things happened, the Sooners were dead and the game was over. Anyway, enough about the past. That's 15 years ago. That was my first year on the OU beat, so it's kind of burned into my memory. 
But uh, let's get right into Lincoln Riley's press conference yesterday. We highlighted some of this on the pod yesterday, but we want you to hear it from the head coach himself. First up, bad news for John Michael Terry, the fourth-year junior rush linebacker from Tulsa who got hurt last week and is out for the season. Uh, John Michael Terry suffered a lower leg injury last week in practice. Um, He'll have to have surgery. He'll miss the rest of the season. Um, Tough loss for us. Uh, He was playing extremely well. Um, He had been, I think, really one of kind of the key breakthrough players for us this year, you know, moving to the, the rush linebacker spot and Obviously, done a great job there for us as a starter, and then also was a uh, you know doing a great job on special teams like he always has. So we'll, we'll you know hate to lose his experience and just the playmaking ability. He just really done a great job for us. So sick for him. Uh, just a non-contact injury that you just makes your stomach turn when you see it. So we'll we'll get him back. Uh, ready to go for us next year, and he'll still be a big part of what we're doing, especially with those young rush outside linebackers of continuing to, to help those guys grow and mentor them. Terry's injury means more playing time, of course, for Nick Benito and David Aguebu. Here's what Lincoln said about those guys' opportunity. The, those uh, both, um, both Benito and Aguebu did, did a pretty nice job. They did. You know, it was the most. Most reps that both of those two have gotten all season and uh, thought they handled it pretty well, but very few mental mistakes. Both made some plays. Um, you know, and those are two young, very talented guys that are just going to continue to get better and better. And so, uh, you know, it'll be a positive for those guys because their their growth rate, you figure, is probably getting ready to take off, and that's exciting. Um, we certainly still have, uh, you know, still have Mark Jackson there as well, um, who will, um, you know, obviously bring some experience and depth to the mix. Um, and we do. We have, we've got, we've got a, a good, talented, deep group on the defensive line. So um, uh, we, we've got several options if we need to get to it. Riley said Bonito had a lot of ups and downs as a true freshman last year. This is interesting. What are some of the areas where he can still take a step forward? Yeah, a lot. As much as in the last. Eight, nine, ten months, probably as much as anybody in our program. Um, talking about his growth, he, he had a very up-and-down redshirt year. And, and to be completely honest, it was probably a little bit more down than up. Um, just, you know, he struggled with the, the transition a little bit. You know, when we parted ways with Mike, that was really hard on him because that's he was very close with Mike. That's who recruited him. Yeah, just kind of just got off to a rough start. I mean, nothing egregiously bad. Just, just kind of had a rough start, and I think kind of like a lot of guys, kind of questioned: Is this the right place? Am I in the right position? Is this? Did I make the right decision? And and he, as he's bought in more, he's just kind of hung in there. And and then after that, you've seen him just buying more, and his confidence level's gone up. I think his trust level's gone up with the staff and and everybody around here. And he's just very, very talented player. I mean, he's 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 crazy athletic you know and 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 he's a very very smart kid very smart and uh so he's he's kind of gotten he's made a lot of moves to to try to get past some of the that first year stuff and he's he's done a good job handling it and he's really grown up and matured a lot and his his game is has improved because of that Lincoln also described how a lot of freshmen come in and they struggle at first. And if you listen to the end, he had a funny analogy about what it's like being a recruit versus being a freshman on campus. Redshirting is, for a lot of guys, a a unique challenge because most of them have always been the best and have always played and done this or that. And, and, 
know, the majority of guys, especially this day and age when you recruit them, you don't recruit a bunch of guys that you think are going to come in and redshirt. And uh, you just you don't know how it's going to happen. And they, for the most part, don't think there's a, any chance. Yeah, I mean, I think all freshmen go through it some. Some guys, and we do have we do have so many players here that are from far off. Uh, and so I think that is a factor. I think for some of our guys, I think having – so many other guys from East Coast, from West Coast, from all over the country, I think I think helps our guys because a lot of the older players, a lot of the other players on the team have gone through a very similar thing. I, I think in Nick's case and a lot of our guys, it's just, you know, it's just mentally making that transition and all that's asked of you and all that's different in your life now and it then it changes just like that. And it's not a something you really ease into. I mean it's it's a drastic, violent change. And it happens quickly, and 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 life comes at you pretty fast. And uh, so he, give him credit, he did a great job, kind of hanging in there through some of the tougher times, and and he's come out stronger. You definitely try to prepare them, and especially as you get you know guys committed and are able to kind of get to that point with them, get past a little bit recruiting them and start preparing them. It's it's something we try, and it's something that we we continually talk about, brainstorm about among our staff is just how can you make that transition uh, easier. And then it's obviously changed a bunch now because so many of your guys are coming in midterm. So there's really kind of two different levels of, of your class, the guys that are coming in midterm, the guys that aren't. And it's, it's totally different. Uh, so, yeah, you're always trying to make that transition as smooth as possible, but in reality, I mean, it's it's different for every single kid. And and as much as you think you know them in recruiting, and you do develop certainly great relationships and all that, it, I mean, it's like right, like dating your girlfriend, right? All of a sudden, you move in, it's a little bit different deal, you know. And this is kind of the same thing. Yeah, you get to know them, but then all of a sudden, they're here every single day, and you're coaching them and demanding all these things. It's a little bit different too. You liked that comparison, didn't you? That was good. And a really interesting take from Riley on Creed Humphrey needing to play better and uh, Creed's early frustrations with all the changes on the offensive line. Yeah, Creed's, Creed's done well early in the season. Thought he could he could play better, you know. I, our, I would say our expectations for him were pretty high. We set the bar pretty high for him. And, and you know, Bill's done a great job with him continuing to, to challenge him because he can play better. I mean, there's no doubt about it. His okay is still, you know, most people's good. I mean, but he he can he can play better. We're going to need him to continue to, to play better and improve. He's done a good job, I think, just leading the group. I think he's had some frustrations just with the, all the different lineups and not not with individual players, but just one week this guy's next to me, one week this person's over here, one week this person's over here, and it's and when you're doing that, sometimes you feel like in a way like you're starting over a little bit. And so I think he had some initial frustrations with that from just a competitive standpoint and. and and, uh, but no, he's, he's, uh, he's growing as a leader. He's growing as a player. He, he can still play so much better. Up next, one of the biggest news and notes segments we've ever had on Locked On Sooners podcast. And we'll go into the Heisman watch. We'll take a quick trip around the Big 12. And do not forget my big announcement at the end of the show. All that's next on the Locked On Sooners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Sooners Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I said earlier in the show, I have two stories posted at thefranchiseok.com. I'm wrong. I've actually got three posted at thefranchiseok.com because uh, we had some huge headlines come out today. News and notes. The 2020 schedule has been released. The Big 12 Conference 
released its football schedule for next year. And Oklahoma opens the season September 5th versus Missouri State. FCS school, nobody's a fan of that, but uh, Joe C getting out on the cheap again, not having to pay some uh, middling mid-major to come over a million dollars or a million and a half dollars. He's going to be able to get out by paying Missouri State, I don't know, half a million, three quarters of a million. We'll see what that contract is a little bit later. September 5th, Tennessee coming to town. The Vols are back on the schedule. And then comes an open date, September 19th, which is perfect, perfect timing for Oklahoma because the following week, September 26th, they got to go to Army, West Point, New York, to face the flex bone of the Black Knights. And yeah, having an extra open date, having an extra week to work on that offense, huge for the OU defense. Big 12 play starts October 3rd against Baylor. October 10th in Dallas, you know this one, Texas Longhorns, Red River rivalry. Following game is at Iowa State, October 17th. And then October 24th is Bedlam. October 24th, Oklahoma State in Norman. Now, think about that for a second. Baylor starts Big 12 play. Then you got Texas. Then you got Iowa State. Then you got OSU. That is basically the four best teams in the Big 12 Conference facing Oklahoma in a one-month span. You talk about a red October. Things ease up a little bit on Halloween. Sooners are at TCU. Then November 7th at West Virginia. We don't know what Neil Brown's second team is going to look like. Same with November 14th against Kansas State and Chris Kleiman's second team. November 21st, are you willing to say that Les Miles is going to be at Kansas still next year? I think we can go there for now. But uh, yeah, they finish up with November 21st against Kansas and then November 28th at Texas Tech. Again, a first-year coach. They have all four first-year coaches in 2019 to finish the season. West Virginia, Kansas State, Kansas, and Texas Tech. How about that? Let's talk coaching salaries. USA Today put out its annual college football coaches salary list today. And uh, on this particular list, they include total compensation. So they include all the bonuses and things that were paid, all the incentives that were paid. Lincoln Riley right now stands ninth in the country in 2019 at $6.4 million. Now that's not his annual salary. We quote his annual salary as $6 million, but he made another 400000 or so in bonuses. Number one, Dabo Swinney at $9.3 million. Number two, no surprise, Nick Saban, $8.9 million. That's just unbelievable to me. Guys are making $9 million a year to coach college football. Wow. Get it if you can get it. Jim Harbaugh, number three, at 7.5. Now that's unbelievable to me. Jimbo Fisher, also at 7.5. Also unbelievable. Kirby Smart, 6.9 million. Gus Malzahn at Auburn, 6.8 million. Tom Herman at 6.8 million. Jeff Brom at Purdue, 6.6 million. Lincoln Riley, 6.4. And Dan Mullen at Florida, $6.1 million. Sooner Basketball. And speaking of contracts, former Sooner basketball star, All-American Player of the Year, now Sacramento Kings guard, Buddy Heald has agreed to a four-year, $94 million contract extension with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Adrian Wojanowski from ESPN reports that the bonuses Buddy gets, incentive bonuses, could reach as high as 106 milli. Crazy. $94 million with an extra $12 million in bonuses. Go get them, buddy. OU announced today that the Sooners will play twice in Chesapeake Energy Arena in Oklahoma City this coming season. Sooners announced that they're going to host their Big 12 SEC Challenge game against Mississippi State there and a Big 12 Conference game at the home venue of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Sooners meet Mississippi State from the SEC at 1 o'clock p.m. on January 25th, and they'll take on Texas Tech one month later in an 8 p.m. game February 25th at Chesapeake Energy Arena. 
And last but not least, Oklahoma is back on the midseason honor roll for the Joe Moore Award. That is the award that goes to the best offensive line in college football. Sooners won that award last year, you'll remember, and four of those guys went on to play in the NFL. Creed Humphrey was a redshirt freshman on that team. The midseason honor roll includes Alabama, Air Force, Appalachian State, Army, Baylor, Boston College, Charlotte, Clemson, Duke, Georgia, Kansas State, Kentucky, Louisiana Lafayette, LSU, Missouri, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oregon, Penn State, Texas, Washington, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. In addition to having a pretty good pedigree, having won this award already, Sooners lead the nation in yards per pass attempt, yards per play, and yards per rushing attempt. So looking good for OU to maybe repeat as the best offensive line in the country for the second year in a row with four brand new guys. Think about that. It's ridiculous. Coming up next on the Locked On Sooners podcast, the Heisman Watch, plus a quick trip around the Big 12 and my major announcement. Do not miss this. All that's next, the Locked On Sooners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Anybody know what trophy they give out to the most outstanding college football player every December? Heisman Watch. That's right, it's the Heisman Watch, and we'll dig in first with ESPN. Their weekly Heisman Watch polls 10 writers on their staff, and they give five points for a first place vote, all the way down to one point for a fifth place vote. Joe Burrow currently in first place, 46 total points, seven of the 10 first place votes. Jalen Hurts moves up from third last week to second this week, 41 total points. Two first place votes. Tua Takovailoa gets 31 points and one first place vote after his ankle injury last week. Justin Fields from Ohio State got 22 total points, didn't get any first place votes. Jonathan Taylor got six points, and Justin Herbert, the quarterback at Oregon, got two points. Also showing up on the ESPN list this week, Brock Purdy at Iowa State and Sage Surratt, the wide receiver at Wake Forest. I'll give you the top three now at The Athletic. They pull their staff of writers like the Heisman vote, where you get three points for first place and one point for third. Joe Burrow at LSU, 135 total points, 40 first place votes. Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts, 95 points, seven first place votes. So Burrow absolutely running away with it, according to The Athletic. And in third place this week, he was in second last week, but Tua Tagovailoa slips to third this week with 35 points and two first place votes. And then this week, we're going to add what USA Today is doing as well. They have a little Heisman watch that they do, and they poll 21 of their staff members. Jalen Hurts right now is not in first place. They have Joe Burrow in first with nine first place votes and 48 total points. One point behind him, according to USA Today staff, is Jalen Hurts, who got 10 first place votes, which is more than Joe Burrow did. He's at 47 points total, so one point behind Joe Burrow. And then Tua has two first place votes and got 23 total points. Also on their list, Justin Fields, Jonathan Taylor, and Chase Young are down the list a bit. Around the Big 12. Let's take our quick Tuesday trip around the Big 12. We'll go over the particulars. OU at Kansas State, 11 a.m. That game is on ABC. Sooners, get this, these line movements in the Big 12 this week are really, really curious, really interesting. Sooners opened as a 19.5 point favorite. It's currently Tuesday afternoon and this line has already moved to 23 and a half. Sooners now favored by 23 and a half. Oklahoma State at Iowa State. That's a 2.30 kickoff. The game is on FS1. Iowa State opened as a 7-point favorite over the Cowboys. That thing has already moved to 
10 and a half. This is, this is crazy. I don't know that I've seen line movement like this this early in the week throughout a conference. Listen to this. Texas at TCU. That's a 2.30 kickoff on Fox. Texas opened as a two and a half point favorite. That thing's down to one. And then Texas Tech at Kansas. That's a 6 p.m. kickoff in Lawrence. Fox Sports 1. Texas Tech opened as an eight point favorite, which is sounds normal to me. This thing has already moved to Red Raiders by three and a half. So, wow, those line movements. Okay, you guys ready for my big announcement? If you've stuck around this long for this thing, you will be rewarded. Sooner fans, starting this week, starting Thursday, I will have on my show as a recurring guest, the one, the only, Blinkin' Riley. That's right, Twitter's own Blinkin' Riley, star of Blinkin' Riley Presents. He's going to be a recurring guest on the show. We're going to try and have him on every week. We're going to record it tonight on Tuesday, and we're going to play that thing for you in Thursday's podcast. So so do not miss that. That is something you're going to want to hear. There's only one Blinkin' Riley, and there's only one guy that I know who presents Oklahoma football statistics the way that Blinkin' Riley does. If you want to know a little bit more, follow him on Twitter, at Blinkin' Riley. He's a superstar. Trust me. That's it for today's show on tomorrow's Locked On Sooners podcast. We'll dig into the Kansas State Wildcats. We're going to go deeper around the Big 12, and we'll give you the press pass, this time with Norman Transcript Sports Editor Tyler Palmatier. The Locked On Sooners podcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm John Hoover, and you can follow me on Twitter at John E. Hoover, on Facebook at John E. Hoover Media, on YouTube at John Hoover. Find all my columns, stories, blogs, and more at thefranchiseok.com. And don't forget to follow the Locked On Sooners podcast on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. Hit that subscribe button, share your Locked On Sooners podcast with your friends, and I would really love it if you left me a comment or a rating. Thanks for listening. See you guys.